0: Hey, guess what? Guess where you are. You are listening to the Story Forward podcast. You are. We Oh, I'm here. Don't step on your toes already. I'm here. Coming coming at you live from the home studio in Boise, Idaho. We are actually in the same room in honor of our season 3 Spor- Stories from the World of Sports theme. I am Larry Rosen and I am Christian Wynn. And so far, as you know, this season has been comprised of stories by contributors, really fantastic stories. We have enjoyed hearing all of them. So, of course, uh, we decided to do a show ourselves.
1: We did, because we're both sports guys no, and we're we storytellers. And, uh, and, yeah. and
0: I think to have a season where, other, where you're telling stories about sports doesn't entirely get deep enough into the topic. So, I think we start with, why sports? What have sports just, done for you? What have oh? What why do sports, sports, mean, sports mean to well, me? That,
1: <laughs> we'll get into all sorts angles sort of angles on that an eighth-grade uh, essay type. I know. Of thing. I well, it's, uh, as I want to talk about sports, I, I want to talk about sports. Yes, okay. so we're going to talk about sports. Um, mm-hmm. And thank you for tuning in, all of you. And yeah, for me, I mean it's it's multifaceted, mm-hmm. as um, I'm sure it is for you, and just. Um, All of our listeners out there have their own relationship with sports, but I grew up, you know, this is a little kid. My mom always says these days and has for years. I just had a ball in my hand, um, like a sports ball of sorts, Um, just crawling around with a baseball or... a little mini basketball or something like that and i was just kind of drawn to sort of i don't know the the ball just itself a, and it was like kind of like that and then it quickly morphed into you know sort of like
0: old enough to stand hold bat.
1: And, and hold a bat you know. and so you
0: were that kid the kid who always had a ball in his hand i was not that kid you were not no i wasn't i wasn't that kid until i was 10 or 11. um so it's interesting to me what i was doing before that because i was doing a lot of different stuff i was doing a lot of drawing a lot of loved, loved cars was i had my little drawing board in my bedroom that i would like take classes and learn how to design cars Oh, okay. something and i know there was baseball because i my first memory of baseball is the little 10-inch tv on in the kitchen while we we're eating dinner right. and watching willie may's bat in the 73 world series
1: he was still playing in 73 this is last year yeah oh, man
0: um, so I do remember that, but it wasn't until the following year that somehow inexplicably, and this is, I, I didn't come, I don't know about you, but I didn't come from a family that where we were watching football on Sundays.
1: No, my dad was a really big, is still a really big basketball fan, um, college basketball specifically. And he was a good basketball player back in the day. We can get into part of that, uh, later on in this episode, but, uh. I do remember watching the NCAA championships and my dad was in a, he worked at a law book publishing company in San Francisco. Um, at that time of his career and I remember he won a big giant, I mean, maybe a few hundred dollars. Um, and phew, I don't Louisville won the championship that year, but he had somehow, they had a pool, and he bet on Louisville,
0: and so we were following very closely. Can, but he was very into... Can ask you a question? Yeah. Was that 1980? Was was Dr. Duncan Stein year? Daryl Griffith?
1: I came unprepared with my Louis... I just, well, the good I, just is actually, I have a computer in my pocket. I just remembered that that was kind of a TV-watching early moment in my life. I feel like it's about that time. I think, yeah. Because he, I was, you know playing basketball he was talking about basketball and he was still playing basketball actually too with me and but with uh, other adults as well and that was his team like there was some sort of like lottery system the way they ran it it wasn't just like make your bracket and do it that way you had to actually buy teams and anyway I remember following that uh that year's NCAA tournament with him. But I, we also actually, uh, my parents had tickets to. Yes, it was 1980. It was 1980, Dr. Duncan Stein. Yeah. But my, yeah. So you but were they, 11.
0: Uh, no, you were 13.
1: Depend, no, that, I was 12 still, I guess, okay. at that point. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so you got to get 30, well, you, the years <clears throat> right. But anyway, my parents did have like st- season tickets to Stanford basketball games mm-hmm. and also to Stanford tennis with John McEnroe playing his oh, one and only it was year. One year. Yeah. So, but anyway, that's why there was sports
0: around Side me. Side note, there's actually a, a, a documentary on HBO right now about McEnroe, and it's kind of McEnroe on Macro. It's really good. I've heard this. Um, so, that is a really interesting contrast because there was not, like, sports weren't on. I mean, nominally, my parents were, my dad was a Jets fan enough okay. that I knew, like, who Joe Namath was. Joe Namath. And Emerson Boozer. But I don't remember football. Who was Emerson Booth? He was the running back. Okay. Uh, I guess. He, oh, that's you know. I never thought of. I, I was a basketball fan first because I was a Nets fan. We lived in northeastern Pennsylvania. And we got nobody's a Nets fan <laughs> back then. In in, in um, this is ABA Nets, like glory oh, days. Okay. Doctor J, Wendell Ladner, John I Williamson. Because um, we got New York channels and uh-huh. I would watch Nets games. I was really into the Nets. But were
1: the 76ers? Like they were in no, the I ABA. I rejected they? all things Philadelphia. They? they were not no. in the
0: ABA. They were in the NBA. Well, that's for Dr. J uh, was. I hated the Phillies. I hated the, the oh. 76ers. I hated I didn't care about the Eagles. But I was a Dolphins fan. Weird. So I guess, yeah, right around that same time, third, fourth grade. But I didn't play sports really until hmm. fourth grade. And then I became always with a baseball. Like lying okay. on my back in in the family room watching TV, throwing a baseball up. And it must have been so annoying, (laughs) just catching it, up. just throwing it up and catching it, and throwing the pink or throwing the tennis ball off the garage door. I still do that kind of stuff.
1: (laughs) Not the baseball so much, but the tennis ball. I'll go throw it. Wow, you know, brick wall
0: sometimes. You know what sucks is I'm such a bad athlete that (laughs) I was I was a decent baseball player until they started throwing curveballs and I had to start being a pitcher, but only reason why i could field my position was because of all that time spent throwing tennis balls off my garage door makes a difference soft hands yeah as soon as i stopped doing that i forgot how to field huh and when i got so, too old to throw a tennis ball we had a, I had a strike zone like a chalk strike zone I, yep yeah
1: absolutely did that we had one of those like they were <laughs> it's basically a trampoline for the baseball a pitch back a pitch back where yeah, you I had one of those. you throw at the strike zone, and it's like this. I mean, this is back in the 70's and it, it boings it back to you, so you throw it, and bam, and it comes yeah. bouncing back your way. I, you know, kind of takes the the speed off it. Obviously, fantastic
0: if you have no one to play catch with.
1: Yeah, no, you say basically catch yourself. I had one yeah. of those Johnny Bench batter ups. Do you oh, ever have those? Like a
0: you bet and I you had not. to play like put
1: you you would buy it it was a baseball at the end of a long fiberglass like oh tube, right right that was sort like of not twenty-two, to you. probably and so you would and it was probably really hurt somebody several times and probably got you know taken off the market because of this because we would wind it you had to actually pour okay so spare tire you had to pour cement in like a spare tire my dad for did the this base for the base and then you put like a post in it. And then you attached the Johnny Bench batter up to it, which was the the fiberglass and baseball attached to the mm-hmm. fiberglass at the end of it. And then rubber bands were the way you wound it, wound it, wound it, and then you did it. Just spun go- it, and then you hit it, and then it would ideally just like tetherball or something like that. It mm-hmm. would go the other way and rewind itself, and then come your
0: way again. Yeah, to be a good contact hitter for that, though, absolutely, it was good practice. I didn't have that, but there's probably a tree out in front of my house I grew up in that still doesn't have bark on it. For me standing there with a bat, just hitting it over oh. and over. It must have been so. Un- you I hit was such tree. an annoying child. Yeah, like I Not just, even
1: like apples off a tree. No, like, I would just <laughs> swing into the into the bark,
0: into the trunk of the
1: tree. You should have been a lumberjack. I guess I don't know. <laughs> but, but you know,
0: yeah. I had an, an extra oh. hurdle to overcome because I was left-handed. Hmm. And I didn't know I was supposed to bat left-handed too. I just did what everyone else did. So I couldn't hit until all of a sudden, I think for my 10-year-old year, I turned around and then all of a sudden I could hit. Right. Because I could hit left-handed and that was it.
1: Yeah. I I mean, that makes sense. I don't know why. Did your dad play? Or your, your not really. sister? Was she a no.
0: softballer? No, or no like there was mom? not a lot of no. sport. It all came from me. Okay. Um, so. And I became a huge baseball fan I was a Mets fan I have this horrible memory um it must have been 75 and the Mets had this reliever named Bob Apodaca <laughs> and he had an ERA under two early in the year and I was like Bob Apodaca he's the best I can't believe they got Bob Apodaca it
1: was like how many so, uh,
0: it was like probably June or something okay. and one night my parents had friends over for dinner and we're watching the Mets game and they were playing the Padres okay and they're up by like two, and Padres get runners on in the ninth, and they bring in Bob Apodaca. I'm like, this, is, this guy's incredible. Watch you guys, all oh, my dad's friends. And Bob Apodaca gives up a three-run home run, loses the game. And these guys are just, oh, yeah, boy, Bob Apodaca. He's oh, fantastic. No. <laughs> so I went into my bedroom. I can't believe I kept it together in front of them. That's pretty good. Because they were just, just just, you know, just ridiculing me and Bob Abadaka by extension. <laughs> I went in my bedroom and I used to subscribe to baseball digest. Did you subscribe to that? I think I did at some point. It's a little it was a little yeah. like TV guide sized. Yep. It was a, it was um, a reader's digest, digest, but it was a baseball yeah, digest. Yeah. I had yep. boxes and boxes of it that I gave away to a kid several okay. years ago but yeah. the new baseball die just had a story about the padres the young up-and-coming padres like dave winfield and stuff about the winfield era okay. and i went in there and i ripped that story out and i ripped it into little tiny pieces oh i was so mad you're
1: so bad. <laughs> Bob, <laughs> and how old were you
0: uh probably 10 maybe oh, man yeah i had to be 10 yeah
1: Bob Bob. Abedek, I mean, don't well i guess maybe at that point did you realize that baseball is really hard, like the, you know, as far as like no. the, for a pitcher no. and for a batter. No, and I for, still don't realize you know, that it's not as hard for the
0: fielding. I, I felt the same way twenty years later. No, yeah, twenty years, twenty five years later, when Bobby Ayala would come in for the Mariners and oh. proceed to walk guys and give up hits, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, just get guys out. How I'm, hard is this?
1: I know he he features in a novel I said in Seattle for me in oh you put Bobby Ayala in it?
0: yeah Dave Valleys in there too. I always I thought it'd be cool if Bobby Ayala got it together. And we still booed him because remember he, he would get booed, booed. yeah. And he would had that goatee, and he it was just, terrible. And he just looked like he didn't care. And if he'd just become <laughs> awesome, and his trademark was that you booed him, that would yeah. have been so tough.
1: You know, he was he was kind of a uh, the he was well, bad. He was bad. Well, he, was he was inconsistent. consistent. Yeah, and I don't know why Lou kept him around, right? Because
0: he, he had a great arm. He threw in the high nineties, which back then was something. Mm-hmm. He got him and Norm Charlton, I think, in the same trade. And Norm Trout wasn't that great either. We thought he was. Well, he went.
1: He had. Had he been great before that? Yeah, or he was
0: he, one of the nasty boys. Yo,
1: he was. That's right. He was not John Rocker.
0: <laughs> so, no. but they were all kind of <laughs> what they were. Did you know John Rocker's parents were were high school teachers. What the heck? I know. He, yeah. You think maybe he was a like, like, Roid Rage or something? I or wouldn't he, doubt it. Or maybe he was just <laughs> another, like, cocky athlete who thought, I'm going to say something crazy. Yeah, I think a bit of that
1: and just not... Maybe... I don't know. They, he just uh, got a little
0: racist. Okay, I've decided this episode's going to be called Our Life in Sports, so let's continue oh, yeah. on.
1: I like this, yeah. When um, did you start playing soccer? Oh, soccer. Oh, my gosh. Because that's
0: your that was your sport. One of my sports. Yeah, yeah soccer. I, played, golf, I mean... History, like, oh, I'm going to excel in other sports. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> sorry no i am just kidding <laughs>
1: no i would i was uh, i became like going back to just like crawling with you know sort of ball in my hand and then kind of becoming the little league guy and having a johnny bench batter up and all that and um i did go on to like early life like in in the san francisco bay area um, where we grew up where i grew up and my family um had moved when i was just a little guy and like I guess I played baseball, Little League, um, and then I played soccer. And then there was a little stint of lacrosse I might even get into and for lacrosse. a minute. But it, but but I guess this was in the 70s. So um, soccer was just emerging in the United States, I feel like. It, we had yeah, this...
0: I feel like we didn't have youth soccer when I was little.
1: We did big time in um, progressive, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And for sure, it just became a thing. It was, and there were like big tournaments and leagues. And yeah, so I was, I'm thinking back we are famous, the Bulldogs undefeated team. Nice. I think when I was in fourth grade, maybe I was a little bit older, but when, I started playing early. Yeah. When did you realize you were good? I mean, I was just uh, you know you're you're young and you're kind of coordinated and doing stuff i mean and just (laughs) i I, don't know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah but i mean we were on that team i think it was actually sort of this moment of just like yes we are really good i scored a bunch of goals and um i went to palo alto high school for one year before we moved to seattle um and i played soccer up there as well but i had i guess you know figured out that i was pretty good at at soccer uh, you know, maybe fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you know, at that low, 12 years old, at the latest. But we were, I don't know, we were, we'd play all the time among other sports, of course. But, uh so that was happening. And, but I do remember playing, um you know, in, in as a fielder, I ended up playing as a goalie, which I was better. I mean, I think I excelled at that part of the game, ultimately better. Because um, as a fielder, you know, I mean, I was really good on like my youth teams, but then I got to the select team, mm. and I was I made the select team, but I didn't start. But I'm glad you and brought up, was, I'm, I'm glad you that, brought up yeah. the select team because yeah. we
0: we grew up in a time when you could just play little league, yeah. And you could be good at a sport, and it wouldn't become something you did year round, every Sunday with right. your poor parents driving you all over the world. Yep. I mean, I think kids can't even like I played baseball. I played Little League. I played what was called Senior League, which was like Pony League. We had like Babe Ruth. Yeah. And then yeah. I played it on my junior high school team. And then I got to high school and I went out for the team and I made the team and I played. Right. I don't think it works that way now. You can't just show up and I'm go out sure. for the team. Like the coaches probably already know who you are before you show up. Like, oh, kids, they definitely know. Yeah. Like especially know,
1: in certain sports.
0: Yeah. like And I know kids were um, in San Francisco. In the kind of the where private you sc- lived yeah. and your son was not like super sporty, right? No, he wasn't super sporty, and, and he went to a really small high school, so he got to be on the swim team. But I know some of the bigger schools, kids who had played sports the whole time and had been on travel teams, went into ninth grade going, "Yeah, well, I guess I'm not going to play sports, or I need to row crew, or you know, hmm. do some alternative sport because I know I'm not going to play basketball or football or baseball, so I'm out."
1: Okay, which is like, what a bummer. I know, but. Yeah, I remember being cut by my junior high uh, Jordan Middle School um, in Palo Alto, California. I, I can't remember who the coach was, but my friend Johnny Kenny and I were both in seventh grade cut from the team or from we tried out. And then we were cut. You go to see the the list. Oh yeah, I got cut in the from gym. basketball. And then the list, I you know, we were not on the made the team list. And we were both incensed because we'd had pretty great tryouts. <laughs> Wait, Wait, which uh, sport? Baseball, basketball, oh, basketball. Yeah. yeah, I got cut basketball. Yeah. So, but honestly, something happened, and my mom was talking about this the other day, where like well, I was so mad when I got home, you know, and I was like I should have been on that team, Johnny, and I should have been on that team. And like, we got a call the next day. I don't know what happened. They made some sort of mistake apparently on the list. Uh, That's sketchy. My mom did not call the coach, (sighs) but it wasn't one of those, she was not a helicopter mom like that. And, um, but I mean, I did end up playing and then I didn't end up, I played a lot of basketball, but I didn't end up playing on uh, a lot of, uh, I didn't play in high school because I had golf and I had soccer. And that's a lot to to do. I
0: I got cut from the basketball team because I had a, it was a three year high school, three year junior high. So in ninth grade, I went out for basketball, and I got cut. And as you know, because you've played basketball off me, I deserved it.
1: <laughs> well, it depends on the, <laughs> the level of the team and how good your. I team hadn't was. developed my three yeah. and D uh, persona yeah. yet. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you know, you could box out. I could, I could hit, you know, I could hit a jumper. You could hit your lefty jumper.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you had it, and uh, yeah, but no, yeah, I'll tell you what though, I learned a lot about sports during that period when we were together in Seattle.
1: Okay, so we're going we're gonna to jump to Jump there.
0: into our 20s. So when we first Christopher, Christopher, Christian Wynn and I, Either we, first anything, met, that's fine. Uh, we hung around with guys who were really into sports.
1: Yeah. And, and you moved there to, I, think, I guess you knew this guy named Bando, Sean Cook. Who
0: had played basketball in high school. And yeah. You guys played volleyball. We're, a lot of what we did with this group of friends, we played sports. Yes. And the problem was I was not good at basketball. and mm-hmm. Which was fine I mean, mm-hmm. most of the time. But I remember one time playing, and this guy showed up. I won't mention him by name, (laughs) but he wasn't part of our social circle. Okay. They knew him. I didn't. I was like, who's this guy? These guys are all homeboys. So they probably went to grade school together or something. Right. This kid shows up. Ballard in the the Ballard neighborhood of Seattle. This kid shows up, and he played, and I sat. And I was like, oh, so. He was a ringer. Friendship is worth nothing but being a good basketball players worth more
1: i can't remember how that worked exactly like who got picked like there's like there's like 12 guys there how it worked okay you tell me how it worked the best players played I know, but you were just, well, this is just in a pickup game. Just a
0: pickup game, yeah. And there were like 12 guys, and I sat. And who made that decision? Were there like, oh, I, I, can't I, remember. Remember. I think probably we had team captain. or they were just, yeah, they were just picking teams. Like pick, pick, pick. Okay. Which is a great thing when you're 22 to be reminded of because I yeah. hadn't had that happen since I was like eight. Okay. But uh, it was, I but it, it is I, in the world of athletes, that's how it goes. Right. Like they don't, I mean, look at, I mean, I'm trying to think of an example of a professional athlete who's a horrible person.
1: <laughs> well, you know.
0: I mean, if Barry Bond shows up, he's Barry gonna Bonds, get picked for a team.
1: Your 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 fella, uh Kyrie.
0: Yeah. Kyrie, yeah, he might not because he's so weird. They'd be like, "No, nah, I don't want to play with this."
1: Well, no, I don't think. Have you ever seen his old commercials, Grandpapa? You oh, remember?
0: I went to his movie. Ali and I went to his movie. He made a movie out of that. Uncle, Uncle, Uncle I said, "You're yeah. a yeah. Grandpa." Was something else? Yeah, Uncle, Uncle Buck, I think. Uncle, no, no, Uncle. We should know. This. I don't know, but there, but, uh, yeah. Have you ever seen the, the the clip of him? It's it's prior to a Nets game when James Harding was or Harden was on the team, and Kyrie is is burning sage. In really the, in the clubhouse and they go to harden and look on his face it's just like <laughs> it's what like, in the world <laughs> what a freaking weirdo <laughs>
1: i didn't i know didn't know he went that kind of weird was, you know. oh yeah
0: he, oh, he's, he's got the sage he's way smarter than we are
1: way more it philosophical seems like solitude know, flat or earther so anyhow he's got it right um
0: <laughs> anyhow that said but well but at some point the, in your sporting life You transform from a player to a fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, pretty early on. No, absolutely. I mean, I, and we can talk about this in your experience um, in a second here. But yeah, I mean, early on, for sure, like I mentioned with my dad, watching, you know, college basketball, getting into that. uh, We we used to go to a lot of games, um, like I mentioned, also the Stanford tennis. I did get the chance to go to a couple like exhibition type matches where they brought in I think like Billie Jean King and Arthur Ashe and some, like they brought in some folks. um, But Stanford basketball and Stanford was never super good, but we would go. um, They had season tickets and I would go to those games. So I was kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say indoctrinated, but I was definitely exposed to a lot of live sports. And
0: then, but you were still a player at that time.
1: Oh, so, but yeah, but as I got in, yeah, absolutely. But it's a, it a blend for me for sure. Yeah. One of my most, you know, sort of, well, I'm a, a, a golfing person as well. We can get into some of that, but I. Can me get my ears right? 1986. When did Jack Nicholas win his final green, green jacket? I don't know. We, or is it. Anyway, it was like. A seminal moment, I should know this too, is like it was coming out of high school. I believe it was 86, but let's look that up here in a second. But bottom line, I watched a lot of golf when I was playing a lot of golf as a competitive, you know, sort of junior golfer. And that tournament that he was like 42 or 44, the oldest to win the Masters, and he came from behind. And I would, I had it on, you know, on VHS tape. 1986.
0: 1986.
1: I had it on VHS tape and I would watch that before, like the day before a tournament. Inspired. Yes. And I had that thing <clears throat> memorized and I still probably do. But it's been years. I've seen clips, but not the whole. I've watched like everything that they would show on TV and we ca- we captured on VHS, but became a huge fan as a player. And that's carried on to, man, I'm watching so many amazing games. What about you? <clears throat> when did you what well,
0: did? When, well, I turned when I stopped playing and that's what I'm really hmm. getting at here is <clears throat> when I, so after I played, I coached and I forget what, I had never thought of it this way before, but some other coach telling me like, you know, for most of these kids, 99% of these kids, their last high school game is their last game. I mean, maybe right. not in basketball because you can always play pick up baseball, football, um, maybe. Some, right. But their last organized game and I'd never really thought of like, wow, this
1: is in, this is uh, baseball.
0: Yeah, it was baseball. Yeah. I was coaching baseball. Yep. Um, but I did coach volleyball too, which probably cracks a lot of people up because I was the worst player in our, our group of people. No, I think I probably played the longest though. Like I went on to continue. Dave Custer to play. was never. <laughs> that's true. <he> never <laughs>
1: Calvin played. was not. The, the... No. Those, yeah.
0: But um. But they didn't really tr- play much. But that idea, you know, like wow, so that's it, because it's yeah. this big part of your life, and then it's over, and then you transition to being a fan, or you you it, you, you relate to the game in some other way. Oh,
1: absolutely, yeah. I mean, you were an avid. We're in a few. Well, an hour and a half. We're going to go watch the Forty ers mm-hmm. You know, I'm so your love avid, for football a a sport you never fan. played.
0: Right. But I was, a, I, you know, I, was a, um, I covered sports too in part That's, of my long and unstoried career as a writer.
1: It's a storied career, but yeah. Uh, it's it's so a sad g- story. <laughs> no, it's just but, a, a storied career.
0: You know, I have, I've, I've kind of have this philosophy that I wish I had had when I was 22. Whereas the, the way to find happiness in your life's work is to find the world you want to be in mm-hmm. and then find your place in that world. Because no one told me when I stopped playing baseball, you know, you can be involved in baseball your whole life, just not as a player. You know, what do you want to do? What right. skills do you have that you can bring to this world? It had never occurred to me like, oh, I could like work for a baseball you, team. You or, could be the general manager of the uh, Boise Hawks. I could, or exactly. I could be, I could go to college and just get really into broadcasting and try to broadcast. Absolutely. Be a sportscaster or be a sports writer. You have a
1: broadcasty voice. I do.
0: Thank you. Um, but I did cover prep sports for three years uh, in the Bay Area. In the early 2000s, and I, that was really fun. That it's not a young, it's an it's a young man's game though, because it's a real deadline. Like you go to the game. Oh yeah. So yeah, give us a scenario. Okay, here's how it works. You go to the game, and because these were smaller news, well, not that small, but it was it was a small department. No one wants to cover prep sports, but you go to the game, and you have to take stats during the game so you can have them for your story. Right. So you're at the game. You're on the sidelines, which is awesome. By the way, some guy, first game, some guy told me, some grizzled old guy's like, there's only two ways to watch football, on TV or on the sidelines. There's okay. no other way. So um, you take your stats, you take notes, you have a photographer. Um, and the last year I did it, I actually had my son as my photographer, which was oh, awesome. That's Every really Friday cool. we got to go to a game together. And then um, when the game is done, you run out onto the field and try to get a quote from the coaches because the teenagers have nothing okay. to say. You get your quotes. And then you go back to your car. This is for football. Okay. And you sit in your car and you write your story. And Whoa. because this is the early 2000s. Well, you had to write it on Papyrus. You had your laptop with you and you type it, you know, you bang out your story. Hopefully you have an idea of what you're going to write. Like like pros, like in the press box, they have most of the story already written. Because you'll hear them like get really mad if there's a late game rally. Uh-huh. Oh, shoot. I had their- <laughs> So you do your story. And then back then... You'd have to walk around until you could find a Wi-Fi signal oh. to send in, because you had to get it in like within an hour of the game being done.
1: And so this is in the Bay Area, you yeah. Said. And so not not the big newspapers, or was it was it? the Examiner?
0: Oh, okay. So, but but um, and you know, and I do 500 words, just bang it out. Right, right. Um, I did features too, which is really fun. But and but basketball was way more fun to cover because you just you know you. They'd have like the, the little row, press oh, row, you'd sit the, there okay. with your laptop and you could just be like banging out your story during the game and keeping your stats. And it was really cool.
1: That would be easier to do, I feel like, than having to go write it in your car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. it was,
0: but it was, I love that. It was so much fun just being able to go to high school sports again and and just be there
1: yeah well we're well we're on the subject of the writing we can kind of turn a little bit uh left right Mm -hmm. one way or the other um and just i guess as a creative writer i'm curious you know you've written a lot of journalism you worked for espn.com and Mm -hmm. you've done this kind of like you know sort of um i don't know if you call it youth sport writing what do you call it is like prep prep sport prep sport but i mean for your creative writing is it crept in we've talked about other books you know that we love and kind of short stories that feature oftentimes baseball but i don't uh, think i have really you you said you have right i have yeah there's one particular story called chuck but it was used to be called charlie chuck's closest to the pin that's right and i wrote it was a pretty early short story i wrote um when i was starting my my graduate degree um in fiction writing and There it was kind of loosely based on a guy who I can't remember his name, though if my friend Tom were here, he could tell us. He had a local show. It was something, something. This one guy's name closest to the pin contest, and he was like a legend. You know, he'd film it. It was pretty lo-fi, and he would talk smack. You know, sort of in your backswing. It was at this par three at this one course in the local in the Boise area. Yeah, I can't do that. And he would, you know, sort of be like just basically getting you to screw up, um, all the contestants. And so, but there was some sort of great prize. And so whoever won the closest to the pin contest anyway, that's just a story for, you know, sort of you to like maybe research a little bit, but my short story was about a character based on that guy who went out one day and he's this this guy on the program was also a pretty good golfer and had been at one time a PGA pro I believe or on his way there and washed out and my character does the same and one day he's out playing golf by himself shoots a 58 at which at the time no one on the PGA tour had shot lower than a 59 Nine. in competition but now that's been broken too but that said nobody believes him because he's such a big you know, bullshitter all these years he's been this joker this guy oh, with the show wolf. he's ca- crying wolf and anyway that's my story and also it does come into some other of my
0: work for sure you know i realized i did put it i used basketball as a metaphor in one short story
1: as a metaphor
0: yeah it's it's for, it what was the metaphor for i'm trying to think for of about being clueless i oh. i wrote this story i was really young and i wrote this story about this guy who hooks up with this girl okay and it's the 13th time he he's couldn't hooked hit up with three someone. pointer <laughs> no it's the 13th time he's hooked up with someone since his girlfriend dumped him um, and he's just clueless. And then he goes to play basketball the next day and he just runs around and runs around but can't ever get the ball because he can't figure out how to get the ball.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is this based on uh, Larry Rosen? In, I don't know. In <laughs> a long time ago. 26. But I do have to, one more thing on the... My, one of my very first uh, published poems mm. um, was when I was in junior high and at Jordan Junior High and where I was cut from the team but then regained my status. <laughs> um, but I wrote a, a poem called the baseball hall of fame so that's that kind of tells you what i was kind of you were thinking well okay let's segue from that into
0: books that you read because you know in Mm. in the world of writers my experience has been is you won't find a lot of people who will talk about reading sports books when they were young and i've always been a little um i don't want to say embarrassed because part of me is kind of proud of it too but they're all like yeah i learned to read Tolkien, or I was reading Kurt Vonnegut (laughs) when I was nine. I was like, I was reading biographies of Tom Seaver. That was the first (laughs) things I remember reading. They were little books, yeah, that were little paperback books, and it was a series, and they'd have four biographies of athletes. And the first one I had was Seaver, uh, Palmer, McNally, Lolich. So it was okay. There was a Tom Seaver, a Jim Palmer, a Mickey Lolich, and a a Dave McNally. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I had my. I think we've talked about this book before, but the Unsung Heroes of the Major League. Do you remember that book? <laughs> no, it was a similar type of book. It was just called. I remember very. I wish I still had my copy. Um, I kind of feel like I've seen it over the years, um, but the Unsung Heroes of the Major League. and it was about. I, I, if I had it in front of me, or if I had done more research on that book, I'd, uh, I'd let you know who's in there. But one of my guys. Thurman Munson, Thurman Munson, and also Munson. I remember Munson, um, and Joe Rudy was in there. Oh my I remember, God. I think, Mr. Underrated. I think Ron Say might have been in there too, but there. But basically, you know, they they flew under the radar. They were mm. just like the workmen. You know, they're in the. League. But was
0: that was that endemic of what you were reading then? Because Not, that was the well, first stuff I read It was sports books.
1: That's funny. Yeah, I remember really reading there was this illustrated book of baseball rules. And just all the stuff like the, the infield fly rule or mm-hmm. <laughs> the foul pole rule or all this kind of stuff that, um I mean, I remember really digging into that. And otherwise, I don't really remember. I remember being like the outsiders and rumble fish. Oh, wow. You know, that was in my teen years and. I took a speed, my mom signed me up for a speed reading class. I remember they had us reading uh, The Outsiders and Rumble
0: Fish and that class. And speed I don't reading. think I know. I, I, I don't know how to. What speed reading is. And, I, got, uh, I got so into it. I was a big New York Mets fan. Uh-huh. And I started getting New York Mets books, which was fortunate because they had been, well, they're in New York and they had been sort of this oddity. So all of these really um, legendary sports writers wrote books about them. Sure. So I had like a Jimmy Breslin book about them, a Maury Allen book about them, um, and I just consumed this stuff. And
1: the well, it was the Miracle Mets. That was yeah, probably I was a thing. Miracle
0: Mets book from so '69.
1: So obviously the Yankees have been around since the beginning, basically. Yeah. But the Mets, what year did they 62. come? '62.
0: So they, oh okay, yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't, you know, start following them until '74. Okay, so I, ca- I caught up with all that stuff. And I still love a good sports book. Yeah, I don't
1: read that many sports books. Um, there's a couple of great short stories. Um, good
0: sports bio. I like a good sports bio. Jeff Perlman written sports bio. Nice.
1: See, I, I, I don't go that way very often in my reading yeah. life. But Like uh, to
0: the point when Ken Ken Burns did his baseball documentary. Right. I started watching it and I was like, Okay, not only do I already know all this stuff, but I know which books he used to get it from. (laughs) Okay. Baseball as I have known it by Fred Lieb and The Glory of Their Times, which is the greatest baseball book ever written. What is that one about? So it's Lawrence Ritter wrote it in the 60s, and he went around and interviewed pioneers like from the turn of the century baseball guys. They were old men, and he just went and found them and had them tell their stories. Wow. If you're a history fan... As much as a baseball fan. It's just so incredible to hear them what's that talk one called about. again? It's called The Glory of Their Times. Okay. And they're similar, like Baseball When the Grass Was Real is kind of similar, but it's guys from the 40s and 50s. But this one, I mean, just like Smokey Joe Wood riding in a cart with his buddies, like the town team in 1890 and sleeping in cornfields. It's just crazy. I know baseball is history. It's it's
1: it's interesting that they caught on in America. Yeah, Abner Doubleday, correct? The, the, uh, he really not invented. Really, no,
0: no, that's just kind of it was a mythology. Evol- more of an evol- evolution of a couple other games. I yeah. think Alexander Cartwright was the guy who like codified the rules and said, "Yeah." But even now, what, like, so uh, as you may know, go ahead. I I'm in a fake baseball league. You are the <laughs> stratomatic stratomatic with friend of the friend of the podcast David Barbie. And we were playing this 1957 league and in preparation for our draft, you know, you gotta go through all this data, you go to baseball reference to find out who can hit lefties and who can hit righties and blah, blah, blah. But it took me 10 times as long because I'd, be, I'd find that the Sabre biography, the Society for American Baseball Research does these biographies and just be fascinated, especially if it was some guy like, wait, that guy's from Seattle from 1920? What was that like? like what was it like from growing up in Seattle? And what so, happened to them and yeah. Does that affect your draft choice? Or are you still deal with <laughs> stats? It almost did because there was this one pitcher who had this fascinating life story and I would have drafted him just based on that, but he was gone before I could draft. Ah, he he was, He's this guy who, he was six foot six and on his off dates he would practice with the Celtics. He was a, bo- a Red Sox pitcher. Yeah.
1: And then I was cracking up because as you're reading it, it's like. Was he just like kind of like a like a, a boxer
0: that goes in and kind of trains? Or was kind it, of, yeah. yeah. Okay um but then in late in life they're like and he was best friends with his catcher sammy white they, they, they <laughs> did they do yeah and then they moved to hawaii I'm like hmm yeah well, <laughs> well they were fr- they were those friends those
1: guys it's, that's not um, you know, it's not yeah. a
0: lie you just picture those old hollywood magazines where like randolph scott and Cary Grant are like in their living room wearing polo shirts yeah roommates yeah
1: i guess i did read that book and this is also as we're just kind of you know shooting from the hip on this episode uh, the boys in the boat, which was a really super interesting story about the crew team. Oh, going yeah. to the 1930 uh, the the 36. Hitler Olympics, yeah. yeah, 36, yeah. So, 36, and this guy was, and we lived in Seattle. Obviously, we've talked about this, and it was this guy, the writer, had been in Seattle, and he did. Like, one of the old guys who had been on this Olympic team, it was very unlikely that they were going to beat Harvard or Yale or one of the Ivy league schools, um, to make it to the championships. And they did. And they somehow, when they qualified for the Olympics, they went over there and it was amidst the backdrop of rising, um, fascism. Nazism, fascism. Yeah. And so it just was a really great book. And it's, you know, it, About the characters, about the people involved in the whole, the war, the looming war and just sort of the politics of the time. Well, I think that's the
0: great thing about sports. And you could say this about almost any topic. It it can be a gateway to use to explore other themes in books. You know, like, like if I, like I remember a book called Goat Brothers that was about these guys that had played at Berkeley in the sixties, played baseball. I think they played at Berkeley, but it was just this guy, the guy who wrote it was following his teammates. And all the you know, how they all navigated that period of time. And it was really Mm -hmm. interesting. But it started with baseball. But I was gonna ask you, any fiction novels that center on sports?
1: Oh man, I know. Well, the P D Kinsella,
0: you know. The WP Kinsella stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I'm you're more familiar with him than I am. And I, I have
0: Iowa Baseball Confederacy, that's the one.
1: I know for you. I and there aren't I can't, I don't have
0: that many either. I mean, that's a great book I did read. What was the Robert Coover one? It's like the Something Something Baseball League. I'm going to look it up because I tried to read it and I couldn't.
1: Oh, and there's a more recent one. Uh, There's, what's the one, is it The
0: Art of Fielding? The
1: Art of Fielding is pretty good, but yeah, yeah. so, yeah, there's one called Zanducci on Second, which
0: is a story <laughs>
1: written by a guy named Ron Carlson, who is... Oh, yeah, Ron he got, Carlson. He
0: got a little Me Too stuff. It's um, called the I'm sorry, the Robert Coover one was called The Universal Baseball Association, Inc.
1: Okay, that's a good title. Yeah. But, yeah, Zanducci on Second. I was about a batter who... I think Woody Allen used this plot point in a in a novel, but he kept killing people in the stands, like with his flat, like foul balls, boom, and it would you know knock somebody down and, and he it was about his struggles through that and it's been years since I've read that book. But
0: um, you know Did you ever read The Natural?
1: I never did. I, I did. Yeah. I hate the movie. I know you do. The book is completely different.
0: <laughs> I have but heard this is the most downbeat ending ever. It's awesome, like Sideways, yeah, yeah. No, it's more downbeat than Sideways. Oh, the kid, the the natural is ruined at the end of the book. He is ruined personally. What happened to him? So he's offered a bribe to throw a game. Oh, he takes it. He takes it, and Mm. then the the ending is like him seeing, or he like I think it's I I read it such a long time ago, but I think he takes the bribe. He goes into the owner. They don't pay him. I think he punches a woman. Like he punches his girlfriend or something. <laughs> and then he walks down the street and he sees a newspaper at the headline like Roy Hobbs disgraced or something. Roy Hobbs throws a game. Oh, man. Poor so Roy much Hobbs. better than the movie. I hated that movie so much. <laughs> I might have seen it with you, but I, <laughs> I hated yeah. that
1: movie. I mean, I've seen a lot more sports movies for sure. and yeah, yeah, that's those. True. We've
0: talked about that over the years. but yeah. uh, And I, I maintain that you were there when we saw Field of Dreams and Don Crowley cried.
1: I don't think I was, but I think I was, I was met up with you guys after you had seen it. Yeah. I remember Bart Foley, an old friend of ours from Seattle, like running down First Avenue. Like after that movie, he was like so excited. He was running to the bar, but he just,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but
1: I was like, Bart, is, well, who's he doing over there? And then, But you guys love that movie. Um, I still love that movie. Yeah, it holds Did up. Did you I see
0: think. the uh, Sandler movie, the recent one where he's a, a coach? Oh, no. I forget what it's, it was good. Was good. Is he yelling a lot again? No, no, he's pretty quiet in this one okay. and not a, no, not a man a, child. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I guess, you know, we have so much we could keep talking about. We wanted to bore all you people, but um, we have a life in sports, I guess for sure. Um I don't think about my writing so much, but I know that writers we've talked about, and I don't think about it that much in this way, I should say. Um, I know that our some of our, you know friends and uh, fellow writers kind of think of their writing kind of almost as sport. We had like Kim Cross mm-hmm. on this podcast season and Johnny Evason on this podcast season who definitely take kind of a competitive sort of take, I guess, to, you, the, to you, the art. How do you do it? Competitive
0: or workmanlike? Workmanlike. But co- I mean, like, got to be a bit of both. I think sometimes they use the same precepts that you would in practicing a sport. Like mm-hmm. repetition, repetition, right. you know, reps, reps, reps. And
1: that's, yeah... That's one of the things I loved about golf, and I think it maybe I just you know you go out and you chip and you putt, mm-hmm. and you know you hit your range balls, and you know you get into that mode. And so I think it probably seeped into my work ethic as a mm-hmm. as an artist, um, as a writer person. Cause I definitely write nearly every day and try to do. um... You've got to do it, you know? So, (laughs) you know, otherwise it is kind of like, it is kind of like your golf game or your muscles to a degree for sure. Mm. Um, but that said, I don't know. Do you think about, yeah? I don't see any kind of sports tie into your own,
0: you know, creative work. Well, um, I don't know because I'm really bad at the discipline part. Um, but you just finished a novel. Yeah. Well, I'm unfinishing it now, but, um, I think it's funny because one of the least interesting things to me about sports is how in order to be really good at it, you have to be able to do the same thing over and over again. You know? I'm I, sure. I, I was always pretty erratic and I thought that was cool. <laughs> 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 like playing volleyball, I'd be like, yeah, so that one set I crushed down the line and the next one I hit right into the block and like. It's a bit like your golf game too. I it is like my golf <laughs> game. Yeah. Like someone said, you. someone told me once, you're the best sucky golfer I've ever met. Because <laughs> you'll be brilliant. And, and then, then hit something that is so embarrassing that I want to just crawl into a hole and die. Uh, Which fortunately usually happens around strangers. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah.
1: Do you overthink it?
0: You think when you're at the... Uh, yeah, totally. I have a 10 stroke stranger, stranger handicap. I'm like, oh <laughs> great. These guys are watching me. They're going to think I suck. Which is probably about something other than golf. But yeah. Um... <laughs> But you know, like, like bowling, which is barely a sport, but to be good at it, you have to be able to do the same thing. Like the ideal ideal game is 12 times you roll the ball the exact same way. Right. And that's kind of boring. I agree. And then that's one thing with
1: golf. You do have to practice a lot. You get But every course is different. Right. Every lie is a little bit different. Every, I don't know, just. um... See, and I'm not good enough to know like, oh, I'm going to hit a fade. I'm going to hit a draw. Uh And yeah, that's what you practice. And then you try to. It's hard. It's. It's the thing about golf, too, that I won't go into too much, but if, if you do just become a practice player, it's so much different. Oftentimes when you get on the course and all of a sudden, you know, here I'm on a side hill lie with the ball foot and mm-hmm. a half above my feet and I didn't practice that on the range. <laughs> <What am> I... <laughs> so country. you had to kind of have a combination of like real actual practical on course experience um, practice um, as as up, you know, as well as like you know, putting 2,000 putts um, a, a day kind of thing.
0: You know, one thing I would say that they have in common is in order to achieve greatness at both writing and sports, you have to be able to find calm and peace and quiet
1: in your head. Like you if you're going to be
0: good. I mean, yeah, but then it are great. a little
1: bit of, oh, well, I think it's, a, you do. Well, you can continue.
0: What do you mean? Uh, well, they always talk about, professional athletes in their second or third years finding success because the game has slowed down for them right and they can find that sort of calm in the middle of it like a quarterback they'll say "Well, it takes him a few years before he can be back there with all this chaos around him that and would be able to be calmly true. lock in and, and see oh there's my guy i'm gonna throw it two feet in front of him right but i think for at least for me the writing is as i get older it becomes more like that where To be good at it, you have to shut everything out. It's not like when we were in our 20s, like, I'm going to write a poem on the back of a napkin at a bar. This will be awesome. (laughs) And beyond that, like, how do you write? Well, I turn on music really loud. (laughs) Now it's being able to find that calm place where you can see things clearly and things slow down enough for you. that You can can structure what you're doing.
1: I think it's a little different. For, I know it's a little different for me, for sure. I, I, you, I think you you're do still writing on the back of cocktail. Oh, face. absolutely. Um, I think that you. I think in getting a really clear view of, uh, say, the shape of a novel you're writing or a short, a short story, poetry is a little bit different for the way I do it, at least. But getting an understanding of it later on, but in the moment, especially with a, a you know, certain scenes and kind of just the the guts of it, it's more like actually being in that adrenaline filled like hmm. you know sort of competitive like trying to just crush it so at a moment you know if i'm in the middle of a, you know pickup basketball game and, and or playing you know a, a great round of golf and trying to negotiate this you know this course or trying to make every shot like the next you know let's say ne- next golf shot or something like a a next uh, a golf hole or something like that or like next you mean next you know what am I trying to say? I try to say that, you know, moving through the game in a frenetic way is oftentimes the way I move through my writing, especially in early drafts.
0: And needing to have that set of passion, I think, is important for me. I can see that. That makes sense, too. Yeah. Um, now, th- there may be a difference, too, that I've, I don't think I've ever, I mean, not since playing high school baseball, had that feeling where, like, I am crushing this when, when it comes to sports. Just sports. It's never like, yeah, I have just hit five jumpers in a row and they can't <laughs> stop me so I mean I'm not yeah I mean I probably feel more like that writing but that that sort of burst type of writing right I mean, look at look at Jonathan Evison, friend of the podcast like he's diagramming plays before he even sits down to write he does and
1: yeah different writers and artists obviously take on their work um in different, uh, different ways but uh that's not me as much but it has to be I think especially with a longer narrative eventually for me mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. it's not initially the way I they hop on in. So I kind of go up from the heart a little more than the, this, the, I don't know, meticulous mental approach, but we're getting towards the end of our time. We yes, could probably, we, we could definitely talk for a long, long time, but I want to maybe just, I don't know. What There's so got much there on your notes there. I've got lots of things. So probably won't get to, but I just, I want just to, maybe we could go with, if you could pick like your favorite moment, as a as a sports person um, as a player or as a anything one of your favorites because it could be as a fan it could be as a player it could be as an artist observing a great piece of writing about you know mm. sports or it could be mm. in the stadium at that big time wrestling match set. So. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: didn't go to a big time wrestling match. I mean the first thing that comes to mind for me is watching the Mariners play the Yankees in 1995 and being in the stadium mm. for that and it was this at the kingdom the kingdom yeah and it being so exciting and i'd never had that sort of sports fandom experience before my team won and there was no was second it a guessing playoff game yeah it was it was a series they played the yankees and it was funny cuz it was like right it wasn't even the league championships. Right, it was like the yeah. wild card series Right. but they had never gone to the playoffs before and that summer i don't know if you remember if you were paying attention but the mariners started off sucking you right and then in August, something changed, and we would go to. I would go to games a lot. Like I'm just going to go and see if I can get a ticket, and I'd go. Well, it was so cheap. It was so cheap. And as they got better, everything changed to the point whereby the playoff time, you'd walk to the stadium and there'd be vendors as you're walking into the stadium, which they never had. Nobody cared before. Nobody cared about the Mariners. And yeah. I remember going to a game where they won. I like got a home run, ninth inning pinch hit home run. They won, and everyone cheers. Game ends. We start walking down the stairs, the Bramps, and this spontaneous cheer goes up at everyone. And <laughs> it was so cool. Um, and that last game. Oh, sorry, my son's trying to call. He is. <laughs> um, I should tell him I'm recording. That last game when they beat the Yankees, just being downtown and seeing yeah, no, the, my... the, the, the city had finally had this winner.
1: Yeah. And that was not that was not the Griffey year.
0: That was the next year. No, Griffey like, was hurt, and then he came back. But though. the, the Edgar. Knox, yeah, yeah, that was that year. And Edgar hit the get, double and Griffey. Last your, time we saw Ken Griffey smile, oh, he passed. But, yeah, yeah, but he, I know because since since then, you know, I'm a big Golden State Warriors fan. So and that was '95. Yeah, and that they've was won. Okay. They've won four titles, and none of them has been as good as that for me as a fan. Right now, as far as a player, I don't know. I mean my greatest triumphs were so small as a player it wasn't like
1: right but you have those moments you know where you you are crushing it i mean you
0: must have had those yeah there's a few but i was always i was a pitcher and there was and we so were much, on That's but funny. there was just so much trying to outthink people because uh-huh. i never could like i remember once Pitching a game in high school, and there was this left-handed hitter up, and I struck him out on a high fastball. And I was like, "Oh my god, I can throw ball past people!" Like seven runs later, I was out of the game because I couldn't throw the ball past people. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good for me to to think I could overpower people. Uh, what about you? What were your favorite? Moments? I know
1: that's like, and you know, there are many we could probably both select. I feel like, um, I guess, just where sports are involved, there was a day that I go back to. It was. I'm going to say 1994, just for fun. I'm not totally sure. That was probably earlier, actually. More like 91, we'll say. Spring break, live in Seattle, go down to uh, Hermosa Beach. Yeah, with... that was 91. Yeah? Was I there? I think so. Oh, no. I wasn't. It you was were... 1990 if I was there. It was probably 1990. Were you there when we played on the sh- the mini hoops? Uh, <laughs> yes. You were there, I think, is. And Sean Smith dunked, and he fell, or yeah. Custer dunked. Yeah, I, we had nine-foot hoops. But anyway, this, I just remember this particular day, um, and we said this guy, Garv, mm-hmm, Mike Garvey, mm-hmm. who always did tell people, speaking of sports, that he was a professional bowler, which he was not. <laughs> I was like, he, he was a character. He lived right on Hermosa Beach, kind of up the hill, climb above the beach. Um, and he had this rooftop-back patio thing that we... This plays into the very end of the day, but I, I, we played a lot of beach volleyball back in the day, and you know, Southern California. We're coming from Seattle. We're like, we gotta, you know, we gotta show hold those, our show those guys. We gotta hold our own. And I remember playing with Bart Foley. He was a great pre- volleyball player, really great. Volleyball Maybe the player. best
0: one out of that group.
1: I don't. He didn't have he played in college. What had. But he was yeah a different kind of game. He was really great, but he wasn't as good of a beach player as Riley. Mm. I don't think. Um, that said. We, I was pretty good. I, you, Despite what you said, That's we're horrible. pretty good. No. Ugh. And anyway, I played with Bart. And we. I, what happens in, in beach volleyball is if you win, you stay on. You stay, And that happens in pick up basketball too. But anyway, we were down in Hermosa Beach all day, St. Paddy's Day week and weekend or whatever. And it was also the NCAA t- basketball tournament was happening. So sports, sports, sports. And um, Bart and I didn't lose a game to any Southern Californians the entire day. We went undefeated the entire day, and then walked <laughs> up the hill climb, showered up, sat on Garv's back patio watching the sunset, and it was like one of the best days. It was so good.
0: Do you have any of the like father son stuff? With well, I'm
1: not not being a father, I don't have anything. No, my, but I was thinking more of my dad. But, but my dad, I do actually. I was going to bring this up too. Uh, one, we used to play. My dad, you know, as mentioned earlier, was was I guess he's probably you know he's he's still with us and doing all right, but he's uh, not playing much basketball these days, mm-hmm. but he um would come play with my friend good friend bill with them and roland astorga we'd play two on two my dad would play with us more in high school, you know so that would put him oh, late thirties forty ish um hmm. maybe a little you know depending on the year but he and bill and Roland and myself were really Good basketball. I mean, Bill especially was a really good basketball player. He could dunk. That was uh, always impressive for us. Um, But he would hang. He would just like, he had a mean jump shot, you know, sidestep jump shot. And it was like, he was, it was like a super cool bonding moment with my, my two friends who were super close. Like the three of us were very close. And Roland actually lived with our family his senior year because um he didn't want to have to move away his senior year. My parents offered him a room. So It just was uh that was super bonding and i've had many great moments with my dad um in the golf realm he's not never been like a natural golfer for being a pretty good really good athlete when he was younger but anyway those those basketball days those two-on-twos we played for hours
0: (laughs) were really great that's great that's great how about you um, I was trying to think of that because my dad always coached me when I was little.
1: Oh, my dad did coach a lot, too. Yeah. Like, he co- I was going to bring it up when you talked soccer. He volunteered to coach, though he grew up in, in Helix, Oregon, and nobody played soccer. <laughs> and nobody... Yeah, even
0: I coached soccer when my kid was like five.
1: But they didn't. he had no idea. Like, all yeah. He's like, I don't know. You guys just go out there and run and we'll try to herd you around. But, yeah. I, I'm thinking of this one thing.
0: Probably doesn't sound great because I did. We had so much time playing catch and, and Little League and stuff. But I remember once they had a party. And uh, you know when your parents have a party, you kind of like linger and try to eavesdrop on stuff. Sure. Oh, yeah. And I remember I was walking in the room and I overheard him telling one of his friends really excitedly. He was telling him about something that you know, I had done in Little League or something. And I just remember that made me feel great. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you? You said tennis. Was, well, we were already in California, so I was eleven or twelve. Yeah, that's like, when I could rake. Man, I could hit the ball back then. <laughs>
1: really? And th- they weren't throwing curveballs yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. See the ball hit the ball. And I did go play tennis a lot with my mom. Um, you know, just in, in growing up, and you know, my mom. Didn't ever. I don't think she ever played any sports back. You know, like as far as like in high school or junior high. But uh, she, we knew that I liked to play, and she liked to get out there, and so we did did do that with your mom. And I helped my sister learn how to. Like she went out for the softball team and was not good <laughs> She had, she's not a, a natural athlete per se sorry Whitney um but she <laughs> calls her up by name <laughs> yeah it's okay she it's um there was a bonding moment between us too where I was helping teach her my dad and my neighbor base you know baseball oriented friends were helping her sort of get through it and she became like the most improved player in the year of the year and all that oh, kind of
0: nice stuff. yeah I'll give you one one tidbit about my mom and then we got to wrap it up we do when I think sports and my mom, I can only think of one thing, and that's bowling. Because, like a lot of oh. '60s moms, she sure. was on in the bowling league, and their bowling the bowling alley was on the first floor of the JCC in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And I was the JCC in is Jewish Community Center. Okay. And I was in nursery school on the third floor, so I would go to nursery school, which is preschool. Mm-hmm. And after nursery school, I'd go downstairs. There's a couple of us who would go down there, and our moms would be down there bowling. Okay. And we would just hang out at the bowling alley while they were bowling. And my mom had a purple ball nice. that she had cracked. Oh. And so they put it back together and it just had like putty or whatever. So it was called the purple blob. <laughs> <laughs> my mom was down there bowling every day. It was funny. She was what? 29? 28, would, 29 years did. old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We should wrap it up. We That's should. Your examination of our lives in sports, just to give you a break from a season of other people talking about sports.
1: Right. Is this to say that we find the stories and narratives of sport to be really
0: intriguing and, you know,
1: multifaceted. And there's so many things I could keep going. And, yeah. In short, it means stuff to us. And me stepped up to us, and I mean we have some amazing storytellers in this we do. whole it's season, been, it's, it's been, been cool great to hear get, these get uh, the take from others. But actually, we're going to go watch that football game. Baby. Yeah, we
0: are. So thanks to everyone, Brett Battistain, of course, of course, all the people who tell stories on these podcasts this season. Yeah, let's go check out the Easdrop E A S E
1: dash Drop, Drop mm-hmm. podcast network. The number of people we, we we're thanking is getting a little shorter. <laughs> yeah, because we're because we're indie we're doing yeah we've gone full indie now we've gone full indie and if you want to like actually give us any comments where do we go talk about sports
0: where do you where do they go go to facebook uh story forward group group page go to instagram or twitter story dot forward yes
1: and if they want to find you on instagram or the twitter christian underscore win i believe on instagram I just uh, christian win on
0: facebook and oh. tweeting are you inspired to give people your your email since one of our readers just did that <laughs> no i don't think so um, i've been mean, no. Yeah, no no you could
1: probably figure it out if you really need to yeah you could ask me on facebook for it.
0: find me at the at that larry rosen for all your social media needs um That's it for us. We're going to go watch some football. I recommend that you do the same. Uh, Until then, we have one more thought to leave you with. And what is that thought? That is to keep
1: the story moving forward.